Would you take your copy of God's Word, and as we continue to worship, will you turn with me to Psalm 42? What a beautiful way for us to be led in worship by our orchestra, by our middle school choir, our sanctuary choir. Would you join me in expressing appreciation (laughs) to God, but also to them for what is a, a beautiful reminder of the truth of God's presence with us as we worship Him in any and every season. Psalm 42 is our guide this morning. We're on a journey where we're asking from selected psalms, do the psalms speak to the struggles of our lives? And with a resounding yes, I would want you to hear the answer this morning. I've entitled this sermon, Hope for the Discouraged Heart. Psalm 42, Hope for the Discouraged Heart, because there's not a single person that is here in this sanctuary that is immune to discouragement in life. It it doesn't matter your personality type. It doesn't matter your profession. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter uh, where you are from and where you're headed. Discouragement is a part of the, the fabric of life. And so to live is to walk through seasons where you're in the, the dumps, uh, seasons uh, that, that are blue. Uh, Hank Williams Sr. has this uh, haunting song, I'm so lonesome I could cry. Do you remember the lyrics to that song, I've never seen a night so long? Or sometimes where we walk through seasons, we've never seen a night so long when time goes crawling by. The moon just went behind the clouds to hide its face and cry. There are times of discouragement that you would face, that I would face, that we would face. But as you walk down the road of discouragement, is there any hope in the midst of tears? Is there any hope in the midst of discomfort and the difficulty of discouragement that that might be before you or around you, behind you? Do you you find any hope in those seasons? And the Word of God answers with a clear, yes, there's hope. Because you're not the first person to walk down that road, nor do you ever walk that road alone. Hear hear the word of the Lord in Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Uh, Psalm 42 is sort of like a, a, a helpful physician where she or he will diagnose the causes of what you're facing and what's brought you with the symptoms in to, to see her, to see him, but also like a good physician that is the great physician as we listen to his word in Psalm 42. We don't just get diagnosis, but we get spiritual medicine for our soul. So let's start with the causes. Let's start with some of the the roads that that lead us down the the journey of discouragement. But then let's also be reminded of the hope that we find in, in the midst of discouraging seasons. So first, we can become discouraged by the disruptions before us. Notice again, verses one through two, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Notice verse 6 of Psalm 42 tells us where the the writer of the psalm is. Verse 6, from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, that's a hundred miles away from Jerusalem. 
Notice the, the heading below Psalm 42. Notice that subscript right there, that heading to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. So the sons of Korah were the worship leaders of the wandering Israelites there in the wilderness. They're the worship leaders for when they're worshiping in the temple. And so these worship leaders have, have composed this, this message right here to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. They, they want the choir master to be able to, to lead in this psalm. Many scholars would say that the, the writer of this would have been one of the sons of Korah, one of the worship leaders. Maybe the historical context is they've uh, been pulled out of Jerusalem. They're going into Babylonian captivity. They're 100 miles out. The last vestige of what they would have recognized is what they, they write about here in verse 6. And so this is a time of disruption. This is a time of disquieting circumstances for them. I mean, one of the things that's going on here is they cannot lead in worship. They're, they're prevented from doing what they're called to do, what they love to do, whether it is their profession and vocation. They can't do that because of the difficulty that's intersected their life here. And that's led then to this, this moment of discouragement. My tears have been my food day and night. My adversaries, my enemies, those that have, have brought about this discouraging season, they're asking, where is your God here? And, and sometimes there can be vocational challenges. There, there can be a disruption that occurs in what we are called to do, what we love to do. And I mean, this is what the sons of Korah, they, they are worship leaders. They can't do that. And it leads to this season of discouragement. You know that about your life, don't you? Do not be surprised when vocational transitions lead to seasons potentially of discouragement. It's not always bad. It's not always just losing your job, but maybe it's a new job and you're grieving, leaving behind people that you've worked with and you love and you go to this next place and you've got to learn new system, new people. That, that can lead sometimes to a discouraging season. Sometimes it is the, the, the loss of a job. Sometimes it is where you go through illness and sickness and you're not able to be in, 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 the, in the place of the calling of your profession that you love. And that can lead to a discouraging season. Or for, for some of our students here, you try out for the team and you don't make the team. And you've been on the team for years and years and years and years. And now you've got to figure out, what am I going to do now that I'm not playing uh, for the high school this season or this sport or in college this sport? Or you try out for the squad and you've been a part of that. It's been a part of who you are. You love it. But you don't make it. You don't make that team. And that can lead to a sense of discouragement because what am I going to do now that I'm not able to do what I love to do in the way I thought I was going to do it? And that can lead to a season of discouragement. I've had that happen in my life. And I think everybody here could give a testimony of that. Everybody could talk about a season of that. For me, most recently, it was during the season of COVID shutdown where we went from meeting every week and every week. I've done that for 18 years of my vocational life. My, my calling, the holy privilege that I have as a pastor to be able Sunday after Sunday to mark the time by being able to wake up, come to church, pray with the people of God, sing with the people of God. To be able to open the word of God before the people of God. I mean, this, this centers me. It's, it's a holy privilege in every way and a calling. Then on a Thursday to be able to realize, oh, we're going to we're gonna have to put a pause in the nation to put a pause. 
And to go from gathering in the sanctuary to, uh, to our worship team doing a beautiful job, our media team doing a beautiful job for us as a congregation in our homes to be able to worship together. But I will tell you, for me personally, it was a discouraging season. Not because of any of you in this room, not because people were, were mean or discouraging to me, but just, just what I love to do and the privilege of doing that. Like the sons of Korah, they, they wanted to be in the temple. Leading in worship. And there I'm at home, and the first Sunday I sat with the boys and with Danielle, and we, we sung together and we prayed together, and then I got up to, to preach, or, you know, there I'm looking at myself, and, and, and I've got three sons, and so anytime I made a, a you know, I, I misspoke, they're like, Dad, Dad, oh, oh, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to, this isn't going to work here. <laughs> So I realized sort of second Sunday, I've got to go downstairs when the preaching happens. And I'm sitting there listening to an Alistair Beck. And it was just a discouraging season. I mean, it just was. And the sons of Korah, they're talking about this kind of season from their own life. It's a disruption that leads to discouragement. But it's not just disruptions before us. There's also a darkness around us that can lead to discouragement. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Notice the vivid imagery here. While they say to me all the day long, the uh, the captors and the adversaries, where is your God? Verse 10, Psalm 42, as with a deadly wound in my my bones. Notice again this vivid imagery here. My adversaries, they taunt me. Well, they say to me all the day long, where's your God? Now, the adversaries, the enemies that have brought them most likely into captivity here, they're not asking for, for like, hey, give us philosophical arguments for the existence of God. They're not saying, hey, make your case. No, what they're saying is, is you believe in God. And now, now all of these bad things are happening to you. You're going through this difficulty. Where is your God now? And as a follower of Jesus, as you walk through discouraging seasons, there will be times for many people where they're having to deal with the complexity of God's sovereign power and his holy goodness and what you're walking through. Why, God, are you allowing this difficulty to occur? And that difficulty, it could come in a whole lot of different shapes and sizes. It, it, could be, it could be the grief of losing a loved one. It could be a diagnosis. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the transfer where you're moving. It, I mean, it, like, is there anyone here in the sanctuary that couldn't just add their own example to this? Maybe not right now. But you can look back. Somebody once told me that we're either on our way to a storm, walking through a storm, or coming out of a storm. I think there's a lot of truth to that, don't you? And so here, the psalmist in verse 3 and verse 10, they're walking through this tragedy, and the captors, their adversaries are saying, where is your God in the midst of this? And you too might feel that. Where, where is God? Because there are a lot of things that you can figure out in life. But try as you might, you, you are finite, not infinite. You're created, not a creature. And all your intellect and all your experience 
It doesn't make for you a key that can unlock the sovereign will of God so that you're able to to pry in there and look behind and see exactly why God is allowing this to occur for your good and his glory. We walk through life oftentimes with a veil of the mystery of God's providence. And so sometimes that darkness that's around us can lead to a discouragement. Sometimes the disruptions before us can lead to a discouragement. Also, the distance behind us can be discouraging. What am I talking about? Well, look in verse 4, Psalm 42. These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I longed to how I would go with the throng and lead in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. The writer of this psalm is remembering the glory days, remembering the good old days, remembering when he was able to go to the temple and worship and all was well, and and being able to remember back to how good it was is a discouragement for him because he looks around and he sees what he's missing in this moment. And this is true, isn't it? Your memory is tricky. It, It can be this wonderful medicine for the troubled heart. But it also can pull off the scab and keep a wound fresh. When you're grieving the passing of one that is close to you, a loved one, sometimes those memories, we we call them bittersweet. Why do we do that? Because there's the sweetness of the laughter and their joy, and we can remember the smells. Maybe you have someone, and you're cleaning out of the closet of a loved one who has gone to be with the Lord, and, and the smell of their clothing and the, the aftershave or the cologne or the perfume that they wore that still hangs on to the clothes, it brings back these memories that bring you joy, but also can bring you sadness because of the finality that you realize that they are not here any longer with you this side of heaven. And you know as a follower of God that you're going to be reunited with them in heaven, but you miss them so dearly because you love them so much. And God has created you in that way that that loves them, wants to be with them. And so the distance behind you sometimes can be a discouragement. The darkness around you sometimes can lead to discouragement. The, The disruptions before us, it can sometimes lead to discouragement. And the question is, is what do we do with our discouragement? you know, we don't sign up for this. We don't say, hey, God, this is a good season for discouragement right now. Can we just schedule that in in the next two to four months right here? It might be a good time. We, we don't, we don't, we're not privy to that, those details. And so when we walk through a season of discouragement, then the question is, is what do we do with the discouraging season that we're walking through? Now, some people say, I'm just going to ignore it. If I can bottle up and just ignore that this is happening, then maybe I can trick myself in such a way to just make this not a reality. So, so we, we go into the season of sort of denial. And we just ignore the difficult circumstances. And we act as if everything is just beautifully good. And at times we can repress some of our emotions, bottle them up inside of us. And we know that's not healthy. Sometimes because of our disposition, sometimes because of the way we're raised, that's our instinct to do that. Other people are going to out-achieve discouragement. It becomes like an obstacle. You're at a track meet, and you've got, you've got to finish the race. You've got to, you've got to go over the pole vault here. And, and this is the truth of the matter is, is I, I'm, going to, I'm going to achieve my way out of discouragement. So maybe you think, well, I can exercise my way out of it, or I can work my way out of it. 
But we know that that's just not the case. Now, work is good. Exercise is good. We need to be healthy in the seasons of discouragement. Yes, yes, and yes. But we know that that's not enough. Other people have some unhealthy ways. I mean, there, there's, not, there's not much imagination that is needed for us to, to know that there are times where we feel like we can numb the pain of discouragement. At the bottom of an empty bottle, that's going to solve the discouraging season that we're walking through. We live in an, uh, a world and a nation that's facing an epidemic of an abuse of prescription pills. And oftentimes it is birthed out of discouraging seasons where we think we can numb ourselves to the difficulty and we know that that's not the solution. Other people think of retail therapy. If I, if I buy the next toy, surely I can get past the season. The next, the next thing that I can have before me, if I can purchase it, and you hear sort of the phrase retail therapy, and that maybe that's going to bring me out of this discouraging season. Or, or maybe you're here and you say, uh, there, there's nothing that a gallon of cookies and cream Blue Bell ice cream can't solve. But we know that. We laugh and jest. Because we know, we know what all of these things are doing here. We're trying to, to look around us to, to solve this. We're trying to, to find something that's going to be able to push us through this here. But the Bible gives us the only path for you to travel as a follower of him in the midst of discouraging seasons. Now, notice it is a well-trodden path. Listen to the psalmist again, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Notice the refrain in verse 11. Why are you cast down? Ask the same question again. O my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, this is really interesting here. The same psalmist who writes about his tears being food and water for him His adversaries taunting him in the same psalm mixes in this discouragement with the hope that he has in the unshakable foundation of who God is. And this is the key. we got to talk to ourselves. We have to remind ourselves in these seasons of discouragement that discouragement does not define who we are. The circumstances around us do not define who we are. What we're headed to, what we're in, what we're coming out of, it doesn't define who we are. Rather, what we discover in this psalm is the psalmist saying, I will praise God in the midst of what I am experiencing because who he is has not changed. He is my salvation, even in the midst of my distress. He is my God, even in the midst of my difficulty here. You notice what the psalmist is doing? The antidote to our discouragement is relying on the unchanging truth of God's word and not our ever-changing feelings. There is an enemy in this world. He's real, and he has a name, and his primary strategy is deceit. 
So what Satan does, he's an opportunist. He, he takes the discouraging seasons of our life and he whispers and at times he shouts. And what is he shouting? What is he whispering to us? Lies. You see, this is what Satan wants us to do when, we, when we're walking through discouraging seasons and we have feelings that are real and emotions that are real. He says, aha, I told you, your God is not with you. Aha, I told you, look what you're going through. Your God doesn't care about you. Aha, uh-huh. that diagnosis, that betrayal, that difficulty, I told you, your God isn't all-powerful. He's a liar. The enemy is a liar. And he preys upon, especially followers of God, who are walking through discouraging seasons because none of us live in the Garden of Eden. We don't work in the Garden of Eden. We don't have homes in the Garden of Eden. And so part of not living in a, in a perfect world is to walk through difficulty and to walk through disruptions in life. And that oftentimes can naturally lead to discouraging seasons. And it's in that moment, what are we going to do with our discouragement? What are we going to do with how we feel in that moment? And I just remind you, in the midst of a discouraging season, we need to stay in the Word of God. What, what is true All seasons of our life, we need the voice of truth to speak into what we face, but especially in seasons of discouragement. We're vulnerable in those moments to believe the lies of the enemy, and we have to be. When we don't feel like reading the Word of God, and it feels far away from us, we we especially need to keep it close. And if I could remind you, and even maybe even tell you for the first time, that a great companion in the midst of discouraging seasons is for you to walk with the 150 Psalms that are given to us right in the middle of our Bible, the hymn book, the prayer book of the Israelites, as they wander, that all of the range of human emotions are right there in God's Word. All of the range of discouragement and encouragement joy and difficulty. It's all there. So all the different emotions that you might feel, they give expression in the inspiration of Scripture, and it gives you, it gives you words to be able to pray and words to be able to hang on to. But even more specifically, there are times, depending upon what you're going through, you might feel all alone, and it's in that time that you've got to take the Word of God, you've got to write it down. You've got to print it out. And when you feel all alone, you put it on uh, your, your mirror in the morning. The first thing that you see when you walk in, you cut on the lights. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Well, I feel, I feel, no, 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 no. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Well, I, I feel in this moment that you're really far, God. No, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And it stares at you, the Word of God. And there are times in life through your decisions or other people's decisions, and they can be sinful and they can be stupid, and the shrapnel of those decisions can can bring about all kinds of disruption that leads to discouragement. And in those times, we can feel so defeated. 
And it's in those mornings that, that we wake up and we see that three by five note card or we see it on our phone. No, 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 no. In all things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved you. No, well, I feel, I feel so defeated. No, no, you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Well, I feel as if everything is a rally. No, you're more than, you see what we're doing here. We're hanging on, we're clinging on to what is more true than how we feel in the moment. So, in the midst of a discouraging season, stay in the word of God. In the midst of a discouraging season, stay close to the people of God. We have a human default. It just, it's a, a human instinct. When we are going through discouraging seasons, oftentimes we want to get as far away from people as we possibly can. And we just want to isolate ourselves over here. Maybe no one will see me. Maybe no one will notice. You know those two great 20th century theologians you, you ever heard of them? Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. You ever heard of those guys? They have this song that's sort of the soundtrack of how we feel when we want to isolate ourselves. We feel like, hey, I am a rock. I am an island. I'm a fortress that's deep in my, that no one can penetrate. I have no need for friendship, for friendship causes pain. It's laughter and love that I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. And we can believe that. We, we can believe me and myself. I, I can fix this. I can get through this. Maybe you're beating yourself up. I caused this. So I got I to gotta go about this alone. I got the shovel of regret. I'm going to shovel the decisions. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to go with this by myself. And, and we, we get into this place where we isolate ourselves and the Word of God just reminds us, when you're walking through Paul's epistles, you're going to find one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Over 50 times, Paul says that little phrase, love one another, care for one another, serve one another, pray for one another. Can't do that alone. Jonathan Shark is an NBA analyst for the ringer.com. Bill Simmons' company does podcasts and covers all kinds of entertainment, covers all kinds of sports. It's very interesting. He wrote this essay that is, is one of the best examples of our need as followers of Jesus for other people. It's entitled, Does My Son Know You? This NBA analyst, this NBA columnist is 33 years old and has received a terminal diagnosis of cancer. And he is pondering the inevitable that is before him because he knows he does not have decades ahead of him. And he writes in, in, this, in this website, this essay, where he talks about how his life group at church has been so sustaining to him. Notice what he says. He says, he says I was seeing these same people every week and I was telling them about my problems and they were telling me about theirs. And you do that long enough and you become friends. You get to know enough people the way, that way, and that life group goes from being an obligation to something you look forward to. Making the commitment to come every week is still hard, he says, honestly. There are always other things to do. Sometimes you're tired or you just don't feel like that. Hey, can anybody relate to that? 
nor are the people always easily, easy to deal with. You, you may not have a lot in common, and you certainly won't always agree with them on how to see the world. These past two years, he says, haven't been easy. Our life group met over Zoom for a while. People ask me whether I have to be more careful because of my condition in the pandemic, but it's really the opposite, he says. I don't have the luxury of waiting for life to get back to normal. This might be the only time that I have. I can't imagine not being in a life group at this point. Human beings aren't supposed to go through life as faces in a crowd. It's like the song from Cheers. Sometimes you want to go to a place where everybody knows your name. In a church the size of Dawson, here in the sanctuary, everybody does not know your name. It's just the fact. Some of you work in corporations that are not a mom and pop. We don't know everybody that's above you or below you in the floors of the building. You don't know everybody that maybe even works in your department, it might be. Some, some of you work in corporations that are national or international in scope. So it's unrealistic for us to think as we gather here this morning that everybody is going to know how they can pray for us and everybody is going to walk with us in this very sanctuary. But someone needs to. Someone needs to know you. Someone needs to know how they could pray for you. Someone needs to know how they, could, how they can see through the facade when you answer the question, how are things going? And your answer is fine. And at least one person, be it in a life group, be it in a small group, be it another follower of God, can hear you say, fine, but no. Hey, hey. I actually know what's going on. And I'm actually praying in a very intentional way. Who, who is that person? Who is that group? That's one of the reasons we have life groups here at Dawson. It's not auxiliary to us. It's not sort of an elective for really, really committed Christians. It is a lifeblood. We need others. And one of the ways that we find that kind of community is when we give ourselves. It's not magic. It's not a magic wand. It's not instantaneous. But be it through the community that, that someone might find and being a part of the choir, being a, a part of the community of a life group. These types of things are essential to us. Be it in our student ministry, we need others to know us and how they could pray for us. In the midst of a discouraging season, stay close to the people of God. In the midst of a, a discouraging season, stay in the word of God. And finally, and very briefly, sing the songs of God. In the midst of a discouraging season. I love the psalmist here. In verse 8, we've already heard in verse 3 that tears have been his food day and night. As his enemies and adversaries are taunting, where is your God? And then in the same psalm, verse 8, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You don't have to have everything figured out to praise God. Everything doesn't have to be all right in your life to choose to praise God. Martin Luther, great German reformer, he has this line that music is God's gift to us. 
that particularly annoys Satan. And if you want a strategy, a surefire strategy to shush the enemy, a surefire strategy for you to say, "Uh uh-uh, not here, not today. Get behind me, Satan. That is to sing the praises of God even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes we need to come to church to gather together not because we have it all figured out, but sometimes we, we, we don't know if what we're singing is actually true to our life. And sometimes it's hard to get the words out of our mouth because of the circumstances that are around us. But when we're around others who are singing, sometimes they sing for us. And just the ministry of the middle school choir with the sanctuary choir, singing these truths, even when you're hesitant in your life to know, is, are these truths really true? And are, are they really stable? To have someone else singing with you is a gift to you. But I would encourage you, in the midst of discouraging seasons, have permission to sing when you don't have it all together. Some of the most beautiful memories of worship that I have had as a follower of God have been by myself in the car, driving from one place to the next place in the midst of discouraging seasons of loss and grief. Being on a run early in the morning with no one is around. In the midst of questions that I didn't have easy answers to and situations that didn't have a a bow that could be neatly tied around them. And in the midst of, of real grief and real sorrow and real emotion, to be able in that moment to choose to worship God. It was a gift to me. And it was my way in that moment to say, shut up, Satan. So in the midst of discouraging seasons, stay in the Word of God, my friend. In the midst of a discouraging season, stay close to the people of God. And in the midst of a discouraging season, sing praises to your God. Let us pray.